Well, it's exciting with uh, Easter Fest on its way. So much to do over Easter. Isn't it wonderful that we can keep Jesus in the center of our Easter here in Topol? I will remind you, though, that in spite of all the other Easter Fest activities, we still have our morning worship service here at TBC next Sunday. And it's going to be a special service. It's our Easter Sunday service. And we do have some extra musicians. The brands are playing trumpet and flute. And some of the youth uh, that have come from Cappenraig College are going to be in our worship team. So come along on Sunday. Support us in that. There is going to be a special morning tea. And it's a good opportunity to bring uh, visitors along with you. If you have people staying with you for Easter, bring them along to church that Sunday morning. They'll enjoy the service. Well, today is Palm Sunday, and the number of people that supported Jesus during his three-year ministry varied greatly. There were times when there were massive crowds, like when he fed the 5,000, and there were other occasions where he was talking to a lonely individual, like the woman at the well. But today we're looking at one of those big crowd days. The city of Jerusalem was packed for the Passover celebration. The population of Jerusalem had increased from 20,000 people to half a million people. And whereas the rich were able to afford accommodation in town, most of those people camped on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus came down from the Mount of Olives on a donkey and headed towards the city of Jerusalem. Let's read about it from Matthew 21, verses 8 and 9. It says, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Wow, what an exciting moment that must have been. Almost everybody in town believed that day that Jesus was the Messiah. That he was going to be the new ruler that would overthrow the Romans and become a great king. Yet most of those people weren't around to support him a few days later, when he was arrested, judged, condemned, and eventually crucified. People are fickle, aren't they? People's attitudes can change very quickly. They went from shouting, Hosanna, to shouting, crucify him. And we may believe that shouting and waving is a good indicator of our commitment to something. There are times in our lives where we have a real sense of the presence of God. When we have no doubt whatsoever that our God is real and alive. But real commitment is much more than just waving or meditating. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, many did realize that he was the Messiah of God, a victorious conqueror a humble hero and a suffering servant. 
Jesus came not to bring a political victory, but to bring you and I into a relationship with God. Peace and righteousness and social justice for the poor and the humble were other things that were brought by Jesus. Some of you oldies may have seen the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. And in that movie, in the musical, they show a Palm Sunday scene where the, the crowd are singing and waving as Jesus comes by on his donkey. And they cry out, Christ, you know I loved you. Didn't you see that I waved? Many in crowded Jerusalem waved at Jesus that day. But Jesus desired devotion, not greetings, heart commitment, not waving hands. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was a direct challenge to the leaders, the political leaders of that time. People are asking the same question today that they were asking then. Who is Jesus Christ? Many people know about Jesus but very few people really know him and follow him and worship him. They simply call out, Jesus, you know I loved you. Didn't you see that I waved? Jesus responds in Luke 6, verse 23. If you love me, then take up your cross and follow me. Jesus doesn't promise that following him will be an easy journey. Many are willing to wave, but few are ready to join the procession and march behind Jesus. So where do we find Jesus today? If we invited the people here in this congregation to share with us how they came to meet Jesus, we'd probably have as many different testimonies as there are people here this morning because God reveals himself to us in many different ways. On that first Palm Sunday, just about everyone believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And there are times when we feel his presence closely. We know that he's alive, that he's real. But there are other times when Jesus feels very distant. When I was at high school, they used to have inter-school Christian fellowship camps around the country. And these were popular ways of reaching teenagers for Christ. These camps were located on ski fields and beautiful river valleys and lakes. And the feeling was that when people experience the beauty of God's creation, that they will find it easier to believe in a creator God. And then in 2004, they had Impact World Tour. And they had stunt motorbike riders and all sorts of activities. And these guys went through 53 different towns and cities in New Zealand performing their show. And at the end of the show, they would have a speaker get up and share the gospel and tell these people about Jesus. Well, at the end of that tour of 53 towns and cities, 23,500 people 
gave their hearts to the Lord during that tour. But the interesting thing was that after about six months, a lot of the pastors of the churches noticed that not many of those people that had given their hearts to the Lord during the Impact World Tour were coming to church. And so they went around, all those people that had signed the piece of paper and said that they wanted to become a Christian. And they got all sorts of responses. Someone said, oh, look, I only went up the front because my friend went and I just wanted to be with him. Oh, I saw that they were giving free books away. So I went just to get the free books. And so it's easy to respond to Jesus out of emotion. And in the moment, it may mean something. But a little time down the track, we can't even remember it. And so few of that Palm Sunday crowd were around a week later when Jesus needed support. It's great to view Jesus in a powerful, unmistakable way. But what is it that stops people from following Jesus for the long haul? Jesus answers this question in Matthew 25, verses 21 to 40. Let's read it. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it, to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Interesting. When we help the poor and the weak, the sick and the lonely, it's as if we're doing it to Jesus. And in James 1 verse 27 it says, Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so when we reach out to the poor and to the, the oppressed, Jesus manifests himself through us, through our actions, through our behavior. When we do things for those who are considered the least, we are doing these things for Jesus. 
In 2013, Helen and I visited Kolkata in India. And most of you know that Transcend is the um, Baptist arm of, uh, for mission in New Zealand. And they have a project there called Freeset, where they make these jute bags. And they're sent out around the world, and um, it's a good fundraiser for these poor people that are making them. Another very famous place in Kolkata is the Kali Temple. And it's a, a big Hindu temple. And so as visitors to town, we decided we would go to the Kali Temple. And when we arrived, it was... There's a, yeah, there's a picture up there, uh, back one. When we arrived, there's the Kali Temple. And when you come into the Kali Temple, there's all these stalls around it. And you've got to sort of cover yourself. And you're not allowed to wear your shoes into the temple. And so there's a lot of people around and they're saying, look, I'll look after your shoes for you. And you're supposed to put these special slippers on your feet. You can go to booths where you can give them your shoes. But who do you trust over there? If they're a good pair of shoes, you may not see them again. And then there's all these people saying, look... Um, People are queuing up, but you come with me, you give me $10, and I'll take you to the front of the queue. <laughs> and then there's a place where they are sacrificing goats. Now, Helen told me I wasn't allowed to go into detail of how they killed the goats, but it was quite bizarre, and there was a lot of blood around the place. That temple was absolutely chaotic. You know, places have their own atmosphere. And that place reeked of corruption and danger and chaos and death. We couldn't wait to get out of the place. And it took us a while to get our shoes back. <laughs> but we eventually got out of there. And right next door was Mother Teresa's home for the dying. And we went into Mother Teresa's home where there was a dormitory for men and there was a dormitory for women. And they were ministering to these people on their deathbeds. And it was peaceful and it was quiet. And there was an atmosphere there of the presence of God. And when we wanted to give them a donation, you know, at the Kali Temple, they'd grab your money as in an instant, it would all be gone. They said, oh, look, if you're going to give us a donation, you've got to go to our registrar and you've got to fill out the paperwork so that we can give you a receipt. You know, everything was done properly. I have never seen two contrasting places where the atmosphere was completely different in my life. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was walk like walking out of... I'd better not say it, actually, because I'm being recorded, but... Um, you went out of one place and into another, and it was unbelievable. And I want to share with you this morning the story of how Mother Teresa came to set up her house for the dying. And there's an amazing book called City of Joy, and there's also a movie about it. And so I'm going to quote to you uh, a few things that are written in this book, The City of Joy. 
So Mother Teresa was helping the sick and the homeless in Kolkata. And she pestered the city officials for a facility. And eventually they gave her a former rest house for Hindu pilgrims that was right next door to the Kali temple. She was overjoyed and she said, this is God's doing. This place is ideally situated. It is to this sacred area that the destitute come to die and in the hope of being cremated in the temple fires. Also at the Kali temple, it was a crematorium. And it was next to a tributary of the Hooghly River that then flowed into the Ganges River. And so Indian people want their ashes to go into the Ganges. And so here was a crematorium, and your ashes could go into a tributary that would flow into another river that would go into the Ganges. The intrusion of a nun dressed in a white sari, wearing a cross in the neighborhood that was consecrated to the worship of the Hindu god Kali, provoked everyone's curiosity. Word spread that Mother Teresa and her sisters were trying to convert the dying people to Christianity. And Orthodox Hindus became angry and incidents broke out. One day, a shower of stones landed on an ambulance bringing the dying to the home. The sisters were insulted and threatened. Mother Teresa dropped to her knees before the demonstrators. Kill me, she cried in Bengali, and stretched out her arms in a gesture of crucifixion. And I'll be in heaven all the sooner. The rabble were impressed and they withdrew and the harassment discontinued. Protesters at the town hall and the police station demanded that this foreign nun be removed. The chief of police said he'd meet their demands but he wanted to view things firsthand. So he made his, his way to Mother Teresa's home of the dying and found Mother Teresa kneeling at the bedside of a man who'd just been picked up off the streets, a skeletal figure lying in a state of indescribable filth, filth with swollen legs and sores. Dear God, he wondered, However, can she put up with that? Mother Teresa cleaned the, t the horrible wounds, applied antibiotic dressing, and promised the poor man that he would get better. Her face was bathed in serenity, and the police chief found himself strangely moved. Would you like me to show you around? She asked him. No, mother, he excused himself. That won't be necessary. As he emerged from the building, the protesters were waiting for him on the steps. I promised you that I would expel this foreign woman, he told them. And I will do so on the day that you persuade your mothers and sisters to come here and do what she is doing. The battle was not yet won. The troublemakers continued to throw stones. One morning, Mother Teresa noticed a gathering of people outside the Kali temple. 
As she drew near to them, she saw a man stretched out on the ground with upturned eyes and a pale face. He was one of the Brahmin priests from the temple. No one dared to touch him because they knew that he was suffering from cholera. She took the body of the Brahmin in her arms and carried him to her home of the dying. Day and night she nursed him, and eventually he recovered. Later he exclaimed, For thirty years I have worshipped a Kali of stone. But here is the real Kali, a Kali of flesh and blood. Never again were stones thrown at the little sisters in the white saris. And so Jesus is waiting for us in the poor and dispossessed people of the world. He says, I am with the poor and suffering of the world. And I am waiting for you to join me to help them with their situation. This week, someone showed me a, prof a prophetic word that was given uh, to this church five years ago. And I read it, and I thought, wow, I've been thinking the same thing. And so I've, I want to remind you of it today. It was from Don Lake when he spoke here five years ago. He said, we have a this is talking to our church, our congregation. We have a great capacity to care for people. And there is space for people to land here. Continue to create spaces, structures for people to come and be cared for. God wants to take compassion and use it as a springboard to the miraculous. Of all the churches in Topol, you have the greatest capacity to grow. That's an amazing word. Because this church is reaching out to our community in all sorts of ways. And last year we started a senior service. And it's amazing. Every week there's new people at that service. And older folk can be very lonely these days. They need events on their calendar. Places they can come to and meet people and share about how they're doing and what their difficulties are. And we as a congregation can notice someone if they're not here. And we can visit them. And we can help them and we can bring some joy into their lives. Martin Luther said that in Jesus, God has come to us in a hidden way. Hidden because who would think to look for God in a food trough in a stable? Or on the cross at Calvary? But that's where Jesus was. And that thief on the cross, he recognized that Jesus was God. And he asked if he could be with him in paradise. And Jesus assured him that he could. But that other thief, he jeered and he mocked at Jesus. A Roman centurion who was there was moved by Jesus' death and he cried out, Surely this man was the Son of God. Apart from that, it was strangely silent at the cross. And that's where we encounter Jesus. Three days after Jesus was brutally murdered, 
he threw off his grave clothes and revealed himself as a triumphant ruler. And so to encounter Jesus, we also can stand beside the cross, can stand at the foot of the cross. Because it was on that cross that Jesus made it possible for us to become friends with God. It was our sin and his love that put him there. It was in our place that he died. Meeting Jesus at the cross is about realizing how deeply Jesus really loves us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. You know, if you don't think you love Jesus enough, you can't make yourself love someone. But if you focus on how much he loves you, this week when we're building up to Easter, if you think about how much he must have loved you to go through all that suffering for your sake, and if you can really understand how much he loves you, then you will love him in return. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that gives us this revelation and helps us see God and love God. Real love is willing to sacrifice and even die to our selfish ambition. So if you're seriously searching for God, meditate on his journey to the cross and pray that he will reveal himself to you in a special way. Through his agape love, Christ himself is formed in us and he compels us to move forward to become more and more like him. Many people wave at Jesus, but very few make that commitment that he desires of each one of us. They call out, Jesus, you know I loved you. Didn't you see that I waved? But Jesus doesn't seek our admiration or acknowledgement. What he desires is our commitment. And we can respond to Jesus this morning by saying, Jesus, my master, I will take up my cross and follow wherever you lead me in this life. Join the crowd that follow him. Be committed to filling this world with his love. It's time to stop waving and to start following. Let's pray. Lord, there's a lot to think about this morning. Lord, we thank you that this world is, is completely different because you came. And you showed us what justice is. And you gave us compassion for the poor and the needy and for justice for those people who are left out and ostracized and used and abused. Lord, I pray that this Easter we will have a fresh revelation of who you are and what you did for us and that your love for us will start to grow in us so that we love you in return 
Lord, we pray that the first commandment will be the greatest commandment in our lives and the second commandment to love others as we love ourselves will grow in importance also. Lord, we just thank you for this church. We thank you that you've positioned it in this town. Lord, in a, in a place where we can reach out to those around us, where we can show people your love and they can know that you care. Lord, do a work in this place, in this Easter season. In Jesus' name, amen.